This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Hello and welcome in to another edition of the Winning Plays Podcast. My name is Brian Robb and I am thrilled to be joined by our special off-season co-host, um, filling in for Rich Levine, hopefully for at least the next two months as Rich is taking care of a new edition of the family. Ryan Bernardoni, the most frequent guest hosts on the winning place pod and hopefully we're, we're just trying to slowly turn into into a semi-permanent one thank you for coming aboard sir thank you for inviting me to spend the off season with you wonderful folks it's, and congratulations to rich i don't know if rich yes. is, i don't know if, if they had had the baby not had the baby yet or not but either way congratulations yes we are waiting I think he is on standby at the moment. So by hopefully by the time he's listening to this, like probably three weeks from now, um, <laughs> and when he's taking care of a new edition. And um, Mike obviously is off today. Mike Spina um, has some really exciting stuff in coming out of GQ. So uh, very much subject related. So he'll probably be back to join us hopefully in the next week or two. But stay tuned for that. In the meantime, Ryan, um, we have... I think hopefully by the end of the month here, we'll have a better idea of what type of NBA season off season we're looking at. Once Seems obviously, like it. Yeah, think that's we the think. goal, right? By the end of the month, right. maybe. <laughs> they kind of have to, if the draft is going to be in the middle of November, like that's kind of a, a hard deadline there. You'd think they can move that, but I, they, it sounds like they're pretty um, locked in on that November 18th date. So um, to, We'll get into more nitty gritty stuff, but in the meantime, um, you know, you've, you obviously have written a lot about um, Celtics offseason possibilities on your uh, Danger Carp blog. Um, I just went through some as well on Boston Sports Journal with uh, the Celtics trade value power rankings, where I kind of look across the whole roster and figure out, you know, who has value around the league and who doesn't um, and try to rank them. So today we're going to start to go through some of the more interesting names on both our lists and make sense of essentially what, you know, how much value these guys have. Are the Celtics willing, like who's on the table, who's not on the table to be moved this off season for the Celtics. And you know, who knows, maybe we'll throw around, I guess fake trades are pretty popular right now, Ryan. I don't know if you've like come across any in the last couple of weeks. No, I've never seen a fake trade anywhere. No. Um, I think it's potentially something that the internet could like, but um, never seen one. <laughs> uh, they're just, I don't know. You would, you'd think NBA fans would enjoy them, but uh, I guess it's just not, not really their thing. So I don't know what's going to happen here, right? We're going to walk through, walk through all the guys on the roster and we're going to talk about like four or five of them mostly. Yeah. So gloss over a little bit more than, than, than some of the others, but uh, yeah, we can, we can give the, give the roster a, a once over for for trade fun um and and uh if we if we make up fake trades just hopefully none of the listeners like hold us to too many of the details because this is not prepared stuff right if some of the contracts don't exactly line up just assume that we're like close enough where they could make these things work uh so nobody send me back something that'd be like you can only take back 125 percent of the outgoing and you came up with 128 percent and uh <laughs> so uh give us a little bit of leeway for the listeners but um yeah we we can run the rule over all these guys and and then you can try to sell me on marcus smart trades and i'll try to sell you on gordon hayward trades and we'll agree that nothing will happen at the end and <laughs> sold yeah um okay so let's we'll start with number one on the list i mean we're not gonna spend much time here it's jason tatum um he has been at the top of the list for two years running now and i guess i mean the only question here is like who would you can you can, yeah is it like how many do you have exactly you, like how many fingers can you know how many guys is it two hands of players that you'd you know train them for or is it just one hand that you yes, can i mean if you're if you're including contracts yes one one person Doncic. i don't know who else is there that is it? well i mean you can go through it Giannis, one year left and too much of a risk right anthony sure. davis free agent now uh and would just if you traded for him in some magical format, he would just turn around and go back to, to the Lakers. Um, Harden, too much money. LeBron, to LeBron. You know, you're not going to trade him for, maybe you would. I don't know. Maybe some people would trade him for LeBron. Uh, Zion, maybe. I don't know. 
who are, who are the other? Yeah, I think Zion's about? right. Like, yeah, and I don't think you can put Zion there yet. Like, you no, I really like, can't. Like, right? you can't. You know, that's that works out nicely because of the money, but uh, you know, from a health standpoint, and obviously from just a pure development standpoint. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. Kawhi, one year like left. Kawhi, yeah, Kawhi is one year left. Paul George is one year left. Steph Curry. That's the injuries, KD injuries, and in, yeah. in age, right? It, right, le- like legitimately, right? It depends on what team you're dealing with. Obviously, all of these things. It's hard to set a trade value on these guys because it's different values for different different circumstances. But with Tatum, it's relatively straightforward that he might at this point be like second. <laughs> He's probably no worse than what fourth or fifth on a league wide ranking, uh, which is that's that's pretty impressive. So, so just is the one that I think is sort of obvious and in his age group that you would trade him for. Right. So I'm sure that'd be a fun phone call, but no. Um, <laughs> but that's, again, that's, this is the biggest development of the Celtics past season, obviously Tatum, you know, getting to that spot where we can have this conversation and say that, yeah, you know, unless you're, you know, even for a super duper star, when you factor in the contract, like, you know, it's just in the age and everything else you're, he's not going anywhere. So that's, that's pretty big for this franchise going forward. And now I think when we're looking at the rest of this roster now, it's simply who fits best around him in the future. Um, One of the great things there is that everybody in the league fits with Jason. Like there's so there's who can you imagine around the league? You'd be like, ah, it just doesn't fit. Right. There's so many guys who are one of the things that limits them from going from being, you know, the 15th best player to the, to an MVP candidate or, or makes it difficult to build a team around him is that they're difficult to fit in with, you know, they don't necessarily fit with every other player. Small, small guards don't fit with other small guards or, you know, Ben Simmons, you have to have the right kind of shooting around him. Or if you have a post up center, you can't have other as like, you can't have too many Jason Tatums, uh, which is a a nice part of, I think his, uh, his value all around. So um, easy, easy for the rest of it. How do you build around Jason Tatum? Get other good players. (laughs) Um, But you need the right ones. That's it. Um, sort of. <laughs> right. All right. So that brings us, let's go to number two here on the list. Um, Jalen Brown, um, who is signed now for, with his extension kicking in uh, next season is signed for the next four years at a nice, even with the decline of the, of, or the potential decline or the staying flat of the salary cap, it's still going to be a good contract. It's still below a max um, for his experience. Um, and probably honestly, the only extension signed, only rookie extension signed last year that now looks like a good con or looks like a great contract now. Um, Siakam was that, but after that postseason, I think that's back to, I mean, yeah. we'll see on that. And the only question I have about the contract now is would you rather they have given him a five year max? I think you have to, to get say yes, whole, like to get the whole boat, right? Like, would right? you have rather had that than four years at a little bit less? Because if you go five, you have to give the whole max. So you can't give, you know, there's no, you're not allowed to structure a contract where it's less than the max for, for five years of a guy coming off rookie scale. And that's the one question I think you have with him. And that's obviously a good position to be in where you're saying like, oh boy, did we get too much of a discount here? Should we have paid him more and been able to go longer? Um, so I, yeah, I think he's the first of the real conversations around sort of trade value, right? Like we said, Tatum's in that upper tier. There's only a, a few guys you even talk about. With Jalen, there's, more options one of the good things here again another guy who's pretty easy to fit into any roster um and particularly one with with a uh, tatum so good for the celtics probably more valuable to the celtics than to some other teams but you know he's the kind of player at this point where like if a superstar is disgruntled or in a bad situation and is looking to leave then he's like the centerpiece of that trade right so if right. the bucks decide that they need to move Giannis, you it would be there would every team in the league would think about what they're going to offer under those circumstances. Right. But like a, a trade built where the number one piece in it is Jalen Brown is not like wildly out of touch with what other teams would be offering, even for a player of that level. And then you talk about other guys, you know, sort of harden what's going on in Houston, all, all that kind of level of player. And it's like, yeah, 23 year old Jalen Brown averaging 20 points with four more years in his contract is like a reasonable part to be talking about within those conversations and maybe he already was because the you know there was talk about him being used to try to get Kawhi um, before he went to Toronto, but like that's it's another really good development over the last couple of years to have a guy who's like in the maybe not the top tier of of trade pieces around the league, but he's not like you know is he second tier, third tier? He's not not that far down that list, so um, it's a good position to be in for sure. 
No question. And like I said, that he gets them into any conversation for a start because of that. This is the kind of contract that the Celtics haven't had in the last four or five years of like the the young emerging star locked up for multiple years, which is, you know, how, um, you know, OKC or how, you know, the Pacers sent Paul George to OKC because they got Oladipo back on pretty much the same deal. And it, that was poo-pooed at the time. And, you know, Jalen has accomplished a lot more than what Oladipo had at that point. Um, so that, again, like you said, Harden, I think, is the real name to keep an eye on down the line. Not this offseason, but if things go sideways down there in the middle of next season, which they very much could, um, depending on, you know, given the lack of flexibility and, you know, improvement, internal improvement options they have, um, that'll be the one. The Bucks, Giannis, you know, that the chatter there is like, I feel like that's died down now. And I think Milwaukee seems to be like, we're going to take it to the end of them, but you know, which you can't really blame them for. No, I mean, I, that's what I've been advocating for. And I think most other people who reasonably can look at them and say like, what are you going to like, you're not going to get into title contention for decades if you trade them. So you may as well, may as well hang out with them for the year. You never know what happens right mid season. Maybe he actually does start to agitate for it. Although he doesn't seem to, to want to be in, in that position, but I think there's a more interesting bucks conversation we'll get to with, um, with another player soon uh, in terms of trying to figure out what player values are. But um, yeah, Jalen, like you said, gets you into the conversation. You could look around the league and try to find like similar players to his, his stature. And those trades, I think Jalen would usually be what the Celtics would prefer. So like, would you trade him for Brandon Ingram? No, I don't think so. Ingram's going to make more money here because he went to, you know, he carried it all the way to free agency and had a good season. But like from a Celtics perspective, I think they would rather just have Jalen than, than Ingram, even though maybe some other teams would disagree with that. And so like, that's, sort of elevating himself into that level um, I think has been sort of where his development carried through this year. If you're trying to figure out players that you, you know, that maybe around the league would have greater value than him, sort of similar age here. Like I don't think he's the level of Ben Simmons as a trade piece, even though Simmons is a much more difficult fit. Um, but, you know, that's why I was saying, like, I don't know exactly what tier of player he'd be in, but in terms of that sort of players of similar age, you know, it, with yeah, his like, like Siakam healed all these guys no, like, you'd rather, rather have him than healed's all these guys. totally different I mean healed I don't even know if he's a positive <laughs> asset but yeah I mean I think he's ahead of Siakam especially because Siakam's like 34 um <laughs> or whatever 26 27 uh but you know ahead of Siakam ahead of uh like I said ahead of Ingram behind Simmons sort of that that sort of range certainly behind Tatum like we said he's, that's why he's on the ratings but um that's a big jump from even where he was uh, a year ago, certainly where he was when he first came into the league. Yes, I'm yeah, always behind on, on Jalen. I, I, he beats my expectations every single year. I have some sort of blind spot with him that I don't have with, with Tatum. So uh, every year he, he does better than I think, which is long may that continue. I think it's just like the, I, well, I do think he's a long way behind Tatum defensively yeah. still. Um, and I already, and he made some headway in that area, but we saw, you know, and this, postseason especially when just guarding up guarding Siakam he did a really good job overall in that series but um you know just it's always going to be the the awareness for him is going to be you know is this going to be a continuing thing he needs to work on to get to that you know yeah and they're they're very different defenders for even you know that they're similar size and all that but um Jalen for one thing I think gets harder assignments and that's going to continue on probably for the rest of their careers as long as they're together because as Jason takes on more offensive responsibility you know spend be able to spend less energy on on the other end and so Jalen's ability to be a primary defender on more difficult assignments I think becomes more important even if you're sort of looking at the impact metrics and all that and saying like no Jason's a better defender uh, Jalen takes on some pretty big assignments and, and I think that that uh, is an important factor for any team just having a guy that you can credibly put on some of those really dominant wings but yeah I mean he's you put him on him he's not the best defender of those wings in the league but credibly being able to do that is still extremely valuable and part of why like he's ahead of like I said maybe ahead of Brandon Ingram who has different abilities on the offensive end but you don't say the same thing about him where if he's defending some of those big uh, really dangerous wings like you'd be in trouble with Jalen he can at least hold his own so um, it's all good it's all been good development from him no real complaints there I really think Jalen I mean just looking back at the numbers of the postseason especially in that heat series 
he was very much underutilized offensively. Um, and part of that goes to the zone that the Miami played to kind of, you know, funnel shots to where they wanted to, them to go in parts of those games. Um, but I think that's the underrated part of Jalen is that he consistently in the postseason, you know, a lot of times you see the, a big, you know, efficiency dropped off for guys. Um, that has not happened for him. Um, you know, the three point shooting has come and gone, but he was very, very good um, when he got chances uh, by and large. And he probably deserved more chances in that series than he got. Um, and so that's, it'll be interesting to see how going forward, how they, if that's, you know, obviously Brad Stevens runs a pretty free, you know, wheeling offense in terms of guys taking opportunities when they're there. Um, but I think getting him in better spots and more often when against good matchups, you know, will probably be a priority going forward. I would, I would hope. Yeah. I think one of the other things that to note in there is that that's been good for a couple of years, even what two, two seasons ago, his, and in his second season in that, series against the Bucks before he before he got injured he had the 30 point game I think right at the beginning yeah. of that series oh, yeah. like, he's had some really good playoff performances and that's I think something that comes into play in some of these other ratings where how do you balance the difference between guys you know the famed 82 game player or or uh, 16 game player like how do you balance guys who can can do it in the, the postseason with some uh, reliability versus guys who may be more regular season players and Jalen's has shown that he can do it in both one of the things about the utilization I think that also is is part of it is that we were playing a lot through Tatum and for all the, his development that he was showing on, Oh, look, now he can suddenly make this new type of pass that we haven't seen him do before. And having five assists a game, like he isn't a natural playmaker at this point. And some of that is like being able to recognize how to get your teammates involved and how to get them the right shots. And if you're playing through a 22 year old wing who had never had more than four assists, you know, in a, in a regular season before, you're going to struggle with that a little bit. Right. Uh, it's not like they had Chris Paul running the team on a lot of these games. It was, it was Tatum instead. And, and so over time that might just improve from sort of how those things play out and how they, they develop as, as players. But the fact that they can both do it in, in the playoffs is a huge part of why they're one and two on this list. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on win, division, and championship futures as well. Head to Bet Online today to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. We can move on to three, though. Let's move on to three, um, which I, I wasn't really hard to me to put Marcus Smart right here. Um, he obviously isn't that in the pecking order on the roster, uh, but when you talk about just his contract, which still has two years left, um, with average of $14 million for those last two years. Um, that's, you know, pretty good bang for the buck. And that's not necessarily the case for Kemba Walker or Gordon Hayward right now. So smarts number three here for me. Um, with that said, he's, I mean, realistically, he's probably not going anywhere this off season. Um, just knowing how much the front office all the way up to ownership is a huge fan of him, understandably. So, um, for his defensive uh, versatility and obviously getting the recognition that he's probably deserved for his entire career in terms of um, all NBA level defense. But Ryan, I mean, it, well, first of all, what's, are you willing to put him on the table in any sort of, you know, realistic offers this year? Or do you think that's, it's going to be taking away too much from you just from a defensive standpoint for this team to even, you know, consider it. You consider anything. It's hard for, I mean, I've openly a fan before anything else, right. Um, I'm not a, uh, a seasoned media professional uh, who has to give up my fandom. Um, and he's basically my favorite player here, here, Paul Pierce in like my life. So I am not rational when it comes to these things. I can admit that. I think you're right. Having him third, the, the evidence of that is maybe that there are people who are credibly talking about whether or not you could trade him for the second pick in the draft, right? So this, the second, this is a bad draft by all accounts, but the second pick is a thing that you would not normally associate with a six man, uh, 
you know, making mid-teens money, right? Like that doesn't make a whole lot of sense in the sort of structure of what we're used to. But Marcus is not a normal six man. His contract is obviously a good value. Uh, the team that's in that has the second pick is not a normal team to have a second pick other than the fact that the Celtics have been making the conference finals and picking in the top three <laughs> recently as well. But um, so you put all that together, I think you're right having him at three. Um, it's difficult for me to imagine a circumstance where they would trade him right now, but I don't think it's like completely impossible to imagine. This is not a Jason Tatum situation where you're talking entirely and just like hypotheticals, what would happen if you they called about Doncic, right? Like you can imagine things with that that might work out um, with smart in a different way. It would be the fit for anybody you traded him for would have to be considered there. But honestly, if you're like, if you're trading smart, it's probably part of some kind of major overhaul here. Uh, It's hard to think about like what you would do to trade him for a player who makes similar money that fits in better. I don't know if that, that player exists. So um, I don't know if you've got ideas, I'll, I'll, I'll listen, (laughs) but I'm I'm just going to tell you now, you know, I don't want to trade him because I love him. So. I mean, I'm going to get ready for a lot of no's, but this is what, I mean, I'm going to write in more depth on here, but I'm going to spitball a couple of you here. And like, and I, there's no denying his value to this team in terms of, you know, despite the, the warts that we saw, you know, during that heat series, which were partially due to injuries and him being put in spots where um, he wasn't suited best for, obviously in terms of, shooting and trying to do too much offensively. Um, so for me, it, the, the case for trading or considering trading him, um, I don't honestly think they're going to find the right deal to do it. But like, this is probably his going to be his peak trade value of his career. Is that a, like a fair state when you factor in the contract? Yeah. Probably. Um, so this his is next contract will likely be bigger in right. some manner. If it's even with the Celtics at all, first team, all defense. Yeah, that's probably right. So that's, and so if you are worried about, you know, the cost crunching to, to keep him in a couple of years, which is a concern if you, especially if you want to bring back Hayward on a reduced number, um, you know, Kemba will be coming off the books at some point, but it, you're not going to be able to keep, you're not going to be able to keep any, everyone unless, you know, ownership is willing to pay up the nose, which they're, you know, understandably wouldn't um, for, for all those guys. So if you find the right, so here's a couple things to throw at you. For a defensive standpoint, this is um, one where you maybe maintain some of that and get a better shooter. Marcus Smart, for an asset, whether it's a draft pick or some other decent player, and Patrick Beverly. Nope, I knew you were going to say that. Pat Beverly is a jerk. <laughs> anywhere near this team i've had enough of playing of having people on the team who i don't like and don't want to root for and pat beverly is a jerk jerk hard no. i like that i like that turn down there um okay this is going for you know the young route building a team around uh your youth uh marcus smart for michael porter jr more interesting uh that's obviously a huge swing uh i don't think denver does it so probably Probably not um that would be tempting for them in terms of going for it now since defensively with smart and murray i mean that's yeah i mean i think they play gary harris there anyway and they're probably gary harris stunk this last year but his problem is that he can't shoot and if you're upgrading it to marcus smart and you don't know if he'll be able to shoot either he was gary harris was very good defensively you know in in the playoffs once he once he was able to take the floor, but um, he has not been able to shoot this year at all. He isn't the playmaker smart, but my point is more is the upgrade from Gary Harris to Marcus smart. Cause you can't play all three of them together. Or you just have three guys who are six, four. Um, is that upgrade worth Michael Porter jr. I just can't imagine that Denver does it from the Celtics perspective. It would certainly be interesting. Um, they were sniffing seen. around Porter jr. On draft night, but they couldn't, you know, to move up yeah. to get him, but they couldn't pull trigger on a deal. Um, that would be a pretty big on. jump up. Yeah, they were got him at nineteen. No, no, I'm sorry, that's Gary. I think I'm like thirteen. Let me look this up. Um, they have sixteen. Sixteen. Maybe splitting the difference here. I don't remember. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's thirteen. It might have been. It's gonna be fourteen. It's gonna be the end of lottery. I don't know. Somewhere in there, mid teens, they got. Yeah, they got. They got a fourteen. Yeah, fourteen. Yeah, but that was when that was the year when the Celtics had twenty seven. Right. So you have to 
Yeah, they would have to put the uh, the Memphis pick on the table or the Sacramento pick, which at that before point before we knew what it was before it right, which yeah, would have been a good deal good. now, but yeah. you know, back then looking now. like they were going to be premium premium selections at that point. So that's that's a tough one. Now this is something I've been talking about with other draft trades. Like that would have been uh, if they thought that Michael Porter Jr. was the third best player in the draft or something, then you might get into a, a Justice Winslow situation where you're you're not trading up for the 14th pick, right? You in your mind you're trading up for the third pick or something like that, and you go a little nuts. But obviously it didn't work out. Uh, he's, he's a little scary as a player, um, with the, is a nightmare. um, it's a real swing, you know, big swing. The fact that he's a good rebounder, I think would, would help, uh, in some ways because he would be probably your four. So you can yeah. slide Jason and Jalen both down. It'd be an interesting fit. I just don't think Denver would do it. Would I do it as a Celtic, uh, in a vacuum taking out personal preference? Yeah. I think you would have to do that. Uh, but. I got one. I got one tonight. tonight. I will admit the right (laughs) thing to do would be to trade him. I'm not saying that I would trade him. This is why I, among many reasons why I shouldn't be the GM of the Boston Celtics. All right. Um, This is, I'm going to skip over. You got to keep something in reserve for the I'm going to keep something in reserve for later because I'm going to skip over the ones that are going to be quick no's because Because I want to surprise you in a later column. Um, All right. Here's another off the wall one. That is probably a no, but it, this is like an ultimate win now move. Um, but with the ability to keep this guy long term, I wouldn't Carmelo do this, but um, yeah, come on. <laughs> um, so smart and expiring contracts, canter, Poirier, other stuff to make them get the money up there. Um, for Gobert. Yeah. Um, I, Knowing I that Gobert is wants his market max. is going to be, which he's not going to get. So it's like, okay. He's yeah. not going to get the super max from Utah, maybe. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if somebody maxes him out. Really? Uh, it's next year when he's a free agent, right? Yeah. I just don't think, yeah. like, There's it's so like Andre Drummond all over the money. Yeah. I mean, everybody's got to spend the money somewhere. And he's going to be five times you know, all defense, whatever it'll be at that point, somebody will spend the money on him. I don't think it would be the Celtics who would want to spend the money on him. And so you really would be pushing a lot of, a lot on the table this year. And my problem with that is that I don't think the roster construction that the Celtics want is to spend that much money on a center. So again, if you were starting a team for just next year, not again, a different construct now, right? If you were starting an expansion team for next year and you could pick between smart or Gobert, you would take Gobert, but I don't think the Celtics would, um, be positioning themselves well by doing that uh, unless Hayward opted out and re-signed for a long contract at different money and like you said you were like under some pressure to, to shorten the money that was on the books and, and push it around a little bit like you can come up with some multi-move situation where you're like all right I guess maybe you could argue for it but um, I'd go bear I don't want to be in the business of paying Gobert's next contract I don't either I just think it's going to be a lot less than people think it's going to be. Um, I think it's for just, when there's that much money out there, like there's, I've said it, I, said it a million times before. There's a salary floor too, right? Everybody's got to spend the money somewhere. I don't think there's going to be a lot of money out there in the next two years. I think this, this cap is going to be flat for a couple of years. And it doesn't I think make any teams... sense for them to do that. If they do that, they're setting themselves up for problems. They have to have it some amount of increase year over year or they risk coming out of this on the other side with too big of a cap jump. Like they have to scale in some amount of increase. And then if they need to flatten it back out afterwards, like when they have a better idea of what the business is and start to like taper it down. And I might be wrong. Like they might just do it the, by keeping it flat because that's stupid, but whatever dumb things happen in this league sometimes. But like it's, that's bad, bad idea if that's what they do. But even if they keep it relatively flat, like if the cap's 115 next year, instead of this year, there's still gonna be enough money out there where there's gonna be teams left you know, got to spend who, the money. Who wants to spend $30 million on like a guy, a center who can't like do anything offensively besides dunk you. It's a great defender, but I think those kind of guys now are going to get like, you know, 15 to 20 million as no opposed way. to the no way he's going to get more than that. I mean, unless he gets injured. Right. But no, he's gonna get more than that. There's 30 teams. He's got some bad teammate label on him too. In Utah. No way. Like, he's getting that little money. I mean, he like maybe he doesn't. He won't. He's not gonna get thirty five percent, right? But like, yeah, he's not getting 
20 million dollars we're, we're, we're gonna gamble on this next Nick. i mean i guess it, it, there are still like i just don't think it's a smart move for any franchise to give him 30 million dollars I don't disagree with that, but I don't think that there's 30 smart franchises. <laughs> I think there's franchises that have to spend the money and that don't have any other way of getting players who they can even pretend are stars. Like he's multiple time all NBA, multiple time all you know defensive player of the year. He's not going to get $18 million a year in a market where you've got, you know, 12 different teams with max cap space. Like that's just not the way it's going to play out. I don't think I would be shocked if he is healthy and gets less than what if what yeah what's his what's his floor to you then 25 million 25 million first year salary maybe so four years 110 million whatever that works out to something like that would be like floor how old is he 31 that'd be like probably 20 <laughs> when he's a free agent i mean not right now yeah he's gonna be a free agent early 30 next right? year and he will be, he's 28 right now, so he'll be 29. 29, okay. Um, yeah, I just don't, I mean, it's, we've seen, I mean, he was first-time All-Star last year, but we've he was seen. He two-time All-NBA, wasn't he? Yeah, but, like, I don't think, again, I think his, but his limitations have been very prevalent in the postseason. I understand. So, but you like, do not have, so not only do you not have 30 smart teams, you don't have 30 teams that are trying to honestly win the NBA title. Like Charlotte would max them right now if they could, they would, they would love to have them. Oh, we have solved our center problem and we can go and pretend that we're going to threaten for something like, no, there's absolutely teams out there that are, that would, especially coming out of, out of hopefully out of COVID where, you know, they need to get fans and they need to have some sort of interest and they need to start making money again. Like you don't think there's, you know, there'll be teams out there saying if we want to put fans back in these back in these arenas and get them back into our sport, like we need to do something and we're going to go out and sign the multiple time defensive player of the year. Uh, I'm. I just would be shocked if he doesn't get big money. Gobert's not putting butts in the seats. Not winning games it. does though. <laughs> winning games puts some butts in the seats. That's that's fair. But again, I'll like. I mean, like a guy like Drummond. What is Drummond going to get next offseason? Yeah, but Drummond's worse. He is. Drummond but is how much terrible. is he? Is he fifty percent worse? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. <laughs> he is. He is <laughs> notably worse. And this, this is the, uh, this has become the Rudy Gobert <laughs> Celtics podcast. Um, so maybe we can. I know. Then this is, I mean, this is a trade out of the first place, but yeah, I, I think, I think the value of like the Gobert's the world is just going to start coming down more and more. Um, it's already started to, but especially with the supply, supply and demand around the NBA now, like, I don't think, I mean, like you said, there are always dumb teams out there, but I think they're becoming fewer. I just, there's not a supply of Rudy Gobert's. Now there might not be a huge amount of value in it, but there is not a supply of defensive player of the year who can also do something to help your offense like that. There is a supply. I agree that there's a supply of Andre Drummond's there's Andre Drummond's and Hassan Whitesides and whoever else, you know, in that sort of, that sort of world to put up some numbers, but like they are not on the same. There's a, a wide gap and it's exponential in terms of impact on an actual team between those guys to me. So I agree that, that Drummond is, you know, needs to opt in and he's not going to get paid nearly as much on his next contract. But uh, I, th- I think Gobert, unless he has a big fall off next year, is in a different, different category of player. So if contracts were not a factor, you would trade smart for Gobert in terms of like postseason. Like who would you rather have in a postseason on your team? Smart or Gobert? Not on the Celtics. No, I would just rather have smart, but like on a, on an expansion team, just starting a new team. Yeah. I would take Gobert. You go Gobert. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. That's fair. Uh, the last smart one I have for you. I mean, you're going to say no to like, jo- is Josh Hart a good defender? Not really. Right. Like he's just yeah. a, good, he's a good rebounder. He's good a rebounder, rebounder but not a particularly good defender. So like you could do smart for Hart and like Reddick. Um, but yeah, I don't think, yeah. but that's a, a math move um, in terms yeah. of just giving you extra bench depth, but not solving giving you a big defensive hole. So, all right. So I got one, I got Ryan to trade smart ones, but that's a trade that's not going to be on the table. Um, let's go to number four. Kemba Walker. I got one for you on this one. I got yes. something for you on this one. All right. So it's got? hard. I think we both agree that it's hard to value Kemba across the league because, or it's hard to value Kemba as a Celtics trade asset because of everything else would come with signing a player to a max contract and trading to a year later and, 
sure. injury questions and age and what's the value and all that, right? So it's hard to just figure what his value would be. He also has a lot of money left. There's some teams that just wouldn't be interested because they're trying to keep cap space open for next year because they're trying to get Giannis, whatever it might be. Um, so in just trying to figure out value, so forget all this stuff about it would be bad publicity to trade him or whatever. Would you trade him for Eric Bledsoe and Brooke Lopez? Oof. So the Celtics get bigger. They, we know Bledsoe's problems in the playoffs, but he's very good <laughs> yes. center, nowhere to attack. You solve the Celtics problem with, in terms of size. From the other perspective, the Bucks they desperately need a creator point guard. They have Giannis, so they can cover up for a lot of his defensive deficiencies. Uh, he would give them a, a pick-and-roll option, also a pull-up shooting option. Uh, also would just shuffle the cards around in a you know sort of a desperation situation where they really can't come back with Bledsoe. Um, so where would you put that in terms of just valuing Kemba, again, without the political stuff? Right. Would you do that for, e- for either team or neither team or whatever? I think that's a great regular season deal. But Bledsoe has been so bad in the postseason, I still probably balk at it. Um, but it's funny, though, because Danny Ainge has shown he has no quibbles about dealing with his rivals um, okay. if it's the right deal. I mean, it was a mistake, the last one he did with that on that front, but um, he's clearly not afraid of it. Um, yeah, I mean, this is the type of swing of the bat I think that the Bucks have to go for. Um, but I still, I think Bledsoe... Is has been so bad in the postseason. So you're just, and I would rather have you know. And Brooke Lopez has been good, but he obviously has limitations on uh, on that stage as well. And against the matchups that he'll have to go through in the Eastern Conference. So, um, so I agree. But what we're saying is that you would not trade Kemba Walker for two all defense players who have. Has Bledsoe ever made an all-star game? I don't think he has, right? But Lopez, former all-star, was getting some consideration for defensive player of the year this year. Um, Bledsoe in the conversation for for all defense, you know, basically every year. Neither of them are making, like, outrageous money. So there are people who will tell you, just people who are not fans of Kemba Walker, who will try to make the argument that he's a negative trade asset on his contract. I mean, I think it's like... I don't think that's the case. (laughs) Not yet, but it's... I, I think if the Celtics could do it over right now, he wouldn't have that contract. So, I mean, I'm some, I'm took the position before they signed him that I thought it was a you know pretty questionable move. And that basically where I landed on it was like, I don't think it's great. I don't think it's the highest upside play that's out there, but with where Tatum was before this season, I thought it was reasonable to basically say like, we went from having, multiple timelines to we trade for Kyrie we have one timeline and now we're in a position where we have no timelines right like all of this is blown up we don't really know where the franchise is going other than hoping that this was just a weird one season blip for Tatum and that he's going to get back on the track that he ended up getting back on and so it was fine not great didn't love it but um one year in I'm sort of in the same place with that like they're in this little transitional period here it's not a great contract uh he's not a perfect player he's not a perfect fit if you're trying to win the title but Again, we come back to it, and it's like, would you trade him for two players who were starters on a team that was on pace to win 70 games and that are all defense players? It's not a negative value contract now. I think there are other teams you could trade him to. Again, you have to get rid of the politics from it. Would the Knicks take him? I don't know. No, I, the I bet you they wouldn't heartbeat. I think they would take him. They need a point guard. Like I know they want to keep you know, some amount of cap space open for flexibility, but New York kid, all that. But even just the fact like how their team is structured, I think they would take him and give assets back for him, just basically taking him into cap space. I think there are other teams around the league that would certainly, uh, you know, give real assets back for him too. So I, I think that he is properly rated again here at fourth. He's behind smart who we said, you know, you could make real trade offers for because of his contract. Um, But he's not, he's not a negative asset at this point. (laughs) Um, Which again, like I, you know, you hear that on, on Twitter, like if we could just give him away, I would give him away. And you're like, if you wanted to give him away, you wouldn't have like you would get something back for him yeah uh but the fact that we wouldn't do that trade i think is is telling that he has value to the celtics you know real important value to the celtics as well yeah like if you're gonna move him i want it like you want to make sure you're getting something back that you can trust to play in in games in the playoffs and eric bledsoe is not that and brooke lopez is that sometimes and there are people who will tell you that kemba isn't either because you can attack him you know because he gives you an obvious place to attack defensively 
I think that that trade-off works out fine. I, I don't think he was 100%. I think that that was sort of obvious that he was breaking down a little bit as the playoffs went along. That'll be a question for the future. Can he right. make it through a full playoff run without breaking down if he didn't have a specific injury? He's not, apparently, he doesn't, you know, he's not going for a knee surgery like Tice did or anything. So there wasn't anything obvious that needed to be, be fixed. So maybe this is just the thing that will always be a problem. But there are certainly people who look at it and say Kemba is a liability at the very, very top of the playoffs as well. And so would you trade, you know, make that, make that move. But those are all three guys who like are not bad players, right. Mm-hmm. That, you're, that you're talking about in, in that sort of swap. And so the point just being again, like, even if you wouldn't make that specific trade, there is no reason that people should be out there being like, you have to give him away to get, get rid of that contract no. right now. He started the all-star game. Like, <laughs> yeah, that I would agree with you hundred percent. And that's again, the, the, the version we saw of him in the first half of last season, um, is you know the Celtics clearly believe that player is still there if they can just get them healthy enough and that's going to be the priority of this offseason um I know that Kemba is also tight with Tatum um just in general so you wonder from a politics standpoint as well how much that would factor in um, yeah it's all a little bit of a this is all very more theoretical with him than some of the other players because from a number of perspectives it would be very difficult to just imagine them trading him even with you know oh Ainge is ruthless all that but you just can't really see that they're going to trade him, you know, one year into signing him to a max contract when he did everything that they asked him to do. And it was apparent, you know, by all accounts, everybody loves him. So um, I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, all right. Next up at number five, and we'll start going, this is probably our last big discussion. Uh, Gordon Hayward. Yeah. I mean, I'm on record like in thousands of words. Yes. So here's my, um question for you um you want to guess and you if uh, like how much he's where how much he's made in his career um including next year it will be 100 i mean it's nearing 180 million dollars yes so it's 148 right now and that's going to go up to 182 yeah um, next year right yeah if he opts in um, do you want to guess where he ranks in NBA history in terms of earnings? Uh, like 15th. <laughs> Actually, no. So it's like he is 47th right now. And after he'll go next off. year, though. It'll and be... After next year, he'll be the top 30. Okay. Um, so not quite up to 15th yet. So I bring is KG this one. I think KG's one. KG, I think. Oh, no. Westbrook. Well, it's hard. If you're including guaranteed money in the future, I think it'll. Yeah, I think he will be. Westbrook will be. It will be there. Westbrook. But yeah. it's KG right now, I think, still. Yeah. This is all at, at Spotrack. Yeah. Um, which you don't is, have to go look it up. Yeah. But so I bring this up since I do think, I mean, when we just talk about a situation this offseason or like, you know, with an extension, um, he'll want to make money. But is money going to be the number one factor for him? Um, and My I don't... default on this is that it's the number one factor for everybody until they tell you that it's not by signing a contract where it's not. Right. But, but this I, is I like... This I would is like, like to have him back on a different contract. Like my first option for him is that he opts out and re-signs or signs in a, you know, stays in this year and signs an extension at much lower money. Oh, you can't, you can't have decreases big enough for it to be worth it for the Celtics to, to do an extension, I don't think. But... Um, it's uh, that ideally, yeah, opt out and re-sign to a more team-friendly contract and stay. Great. I don't want to get rid of him because I think he's a bad player. I just think it's a big risk to carry that one season of contract and then, uh, you know, potentially get burned at the end of it. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to know. I mean, the Celtics have to have a read this offseason in terms of what what he wants. And it, it's complicated, obviously, with – where the the free agent market is going to be the next two years since there is going to be some unpredictability there um, based on what happens next season. Um, you brought up, obviously, the the escrow discussion um, in terms of maybe it being easier to get to an extension because, you know, if the NBA is withholding 30% of the salary this year, then that's, you know, you're not technically turning down 34 million, turning down 25. So it's easier to make that up on the back end. Um, in that case, from... I wonder though, on that front too, like I bet the escrow is not going to be a one-year thing, like of a big escrow, like withholding. It'll probably yeah, be the we'll most see. this year, but that's, that's, you know, obviously that can be, I, yeah, do you think that's that. something that's going to like go a few years down the line? 
So the question there though is the escrow is a withholding, right? You can get it back at the end of the year. So if, if even if they set it up to say, we're going to have larger withholdings for the second year, if things are back to normal and the revenues go way back up to where, you know, closer to where they were, even if they withhold 30% the first year and 20% the second year, like you, it might, they might withhold 20% and then give you back quite a lot of that, right? If, right. if the business comes back, you, you can only say how much they're going to withhold, but then you don't actually know what the situation is going to be at the end of the year. So it's a little complicated on that front. I agree. It might very well be that they set a high escrow for the first year and then a medium escrow the second year, right? And where it all, it all plays out that way. And you are not, you're never going to make up all of the money because of escrow readjustment. It's just a point of like, if, are you giving up $15 million or $10 million, right? Like, or $5 million, right? Like you're still giving up some amount of money in there. Uh, but if he's not willing to give up anything, then he's going to be here for one more year and then leave unless you trade him because, or unless he gets hurt again or has a terrible year where you don't want to bring him back or something like that, right? Like there's, there's not a situation where he plays well next year and is a $15 million player and comes back for $15 million. Like if he's an 18, six and six guy, he's going to get more than $15 million. You're not gonna be able to afford him. Then you just got to deal with that. Exactly. So it's, I guess it's the question for him, you know, the sellers need to get the read on is saying, okay, like you can, is he okay with being the fourth option here? Is that something you think he wants to do um, for the long term? Obviously, a second or third option on certain nights, it's not like he's going to be, but he's obviously not going to be getting the shots and the, the production that he could get um, elsewhere. Or does he, you know, does he want that opportunity somewhere else, you know, at comparable money? Now they're, there's probably not going to be a lot of teams that are going to give him more than, you know, $20, 25000000 million, um, even if he does have a good year next year um, in next year's open market. But if the Celtics kind of feel like that he is, you know, wants that kind of a role, then they have to, I think, anticipate that and then, you know, move on from him before he has a chance to walk. And there's no – part of that problem is that there's no – like there's no title contending or really good team that can give him that role at this point in his career, probably. Right. Unless he has like a great year and comes back. Right. If he, if he wants to go and contend somewhere else and right. Dallas keeps open their cap space to go after Giannis. They don't get Giannis. They look around. One of the, something that we talked about with, uh, with Tatum and, and Brown is that like, you can play him on any team. There's not really a situation where it's like, Oh, he won't fit with us. Oh, a guy who can handle the ball and defend and shoot threes. Like he'll fit on any team. You could slot him into, to, to Dallas, but he would not be the first option there either, right? So anywhere that he goes where he wants to be the first option, it's either going to be a bad team or he's going to have to be a tertiary sort of sort of player on a really good team. And so if that's what he's looking for, then that's the problem you run into. Um, but it's really up to him. You know, there's he he's in control of the situation and, unless the Celtics decide that they want to trade him, um, which is obviously something that, excuse me, I have a little bit of a cough, uh, something that I've again, advocated for, not because I think he's bad, but because I think he's good and losing him for nothing would be a problem. We've already seen this. Like the good news here with Hayward, to your point, is like there's not a, an Al Horford situation waiting for him in a year where he can get the money and the chance to contend. Um, neither, neither did Al Horford. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there might be an Al Horford there situation right, right. out there the, for him. But, the, what, right. Um, um, the, is that one that he thought he had a chance to contend, I should say. Um, so yeah, that will be, I mean, and we'll see again how those we'll find out a lot more from that front. Um, I think he does have to opt in, you know, he doesn't have to opt in before the draft, I believe. Um, so, no, I mean, we don't know any of the dates that they're going to set for this, but right. normally it's between post-draft and, the day before free agency or something like that. Yeah, but this could be, I mean, if he, if the Celtics want to keep him, it is very much in their interest to... I think, I mean, in terms of flexibility next year to obviously get him to that extension, get his, that 34 million cut by at least 10 million. And then that opens up the door for more flexibility elsewhere. So um, we'll go more into like trades uh, on this in the next month in terms of possibilities, since I know you had a, a bunch lined up and we, we can, it's worth talking about more as the uh, deadline gets closer, but for now, we'll leave it at that um, and try to roll through the final 10 players on the roster in about 10 minutes here. Um, Daniel Tice, number six. It's funny, like, 
it's a great value contract. I really see no situation where the Celtics move because you're just not going to get good value. It's $5 billion. He's a great fit, great continuity on this team. You might, yep. you know, he, he obviously could walk next year. You might not be able to want to afford to keep him, but um, you're not going to get anything close to his level of, you know, production if you move him. So everybody um, wants to upgrade him, but he's completely untouchable. So. <laughs> <laughs> the most untouchable man on this roster next year. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, $5 million. Math-wise, it doesn't math wise it. it doesn't, there's not much that makes sense to do it there, especially given the C's uh, financial obligations elsewhere. So um, that's that. Um, number seven, I believe it's Grant Williams here. And... Yeah, I, I disagree with that one. I would have Romeo ahead of him. Yeah, Romeo ahead of him. Yeah. You like that upside? For sure, yeah. I mean... Also, he's a wing. You know what position he is. The defensive potential that he showed, the offensive potential he had before. Like, it, right, it's the upside play, though, right? Grant Williams is certainly a, a more reliable bet for the future at this point, but uh, I would prefer Romeo. Um, and if I were the Celtics and it was a trade where you had to pick between one of them, I would more likely move Grant than Romeo. Um, which, you know, sometimes that is really kind of what happens where it's like pick one of these couple of guys. Right. Um, you, even if you give the other team the option right, to pick one, I would, I would be taking the upside on, on Lankford there, but they're very close, uh, uh, you know, splitting hairs a little bit. So what is – it's hard to find a good – I mean, what type of situation do you move either of those guys this offseason beyond – you know, you have to – I imagine it just has to be a good veteran upgrade, but you don't want to move it for – you know, an expiring contract, obviously, because the cost control that both those guys provide is, is pretty important with your, with your, you know, your payroll planning going forward here. Yeah, it's hard to think of a one on, you know, like a one to one situation where you would trade them. It would be something where you're doing a bigger trade and you're putting them in to balance something out, right? right. If you're trading Hayward, it's part of a bigger move and it doesn't quite work out in balance, and the other team comes back and asks you for increase something, and you say, okay, well, you can either have the guy we just took twenty six, or you can have Langford or. Grant Williams again I would take Langford you know you can sort of get into that conversation where I think they would have to be included in that I can't really think of a situation where you would trade or again if it's a, a consolidation trade right if you're trading 14 and one of them to move up somewhere in the draft or something like that like you can put some, put together some stuff like that but uh, just generically yeah I don't expect them to uh, to get traded in any sort of one on you know one for one kind of thing yeah and I guess the other one I could see is when you know if you are trying to just dump bodies like Cantor, Poirier, and you know, you're not you're not putting any of those guys in the deal to like just to move those guys, but maybe you're getting something useful back. So, you know, but adding those bigger salaries allows you to get to a you know a higher number um in terms of uh a player you could take back. But um given how low the both of their value is right now, like I mean I guess Grant has some decent value. He obviously showed some some key play in the postseason with his three point shooting coming around and his, you know, the ability to switch defensively. Um, arguably could have, should have been playing more um, for a lot of that heat series. Uh, and then Romeo, I think just his stock because the injuries is, is low. So selling any of those guys doesn't make a whole lot of sense unless you're getting back a sure thing for either of them. Yeah. I mean, Grant is the kind of player that a team in the Celtics position would be looking to trade for <laughs> cost controlled, right. versatile, you know, can come off the bench play multiple roles. Like he has more value to the Celtics than he would to 25 other teams in the league. Uh, Langford's obviously a little bit different. You know, he has more of an upside play and something that you're hoping to develop. Um, but I don't know. Like I said, I don't expect either of them to, to be in any kind of one-for-one on, one one trade. It would be, I, I can only imagine part of something bigger. The only other thing I can think of with, with Langford is, is there's some other team that really loves him and offers a pick two years down the line for him. Like, would you consider that? And or kick the can down like you could I could make some sort of coherent argument for it but I that kind of trade doesn't ever happen so but that's where I may set his value is some kind of a you know oh a top 10 protected pick in 2023 or something right um where you maybe could could do some sort of balancing in terms of what the Celtics need to roll assets forward and all that but again those trades don't actually ever that's not a trade that really ever happens so I wouldn't worry about it too much but if you're trying to like set asset valuations um, like I said, with Grant, it's just really hard because he's the, the kind of player you need on this team for trying to win next year with Romeo because he's a future piece. You could come up with something like that, maybe. Right. All right. Um, I actually had Rob Williams 
as eight on mine, if even yeah. ahead of Romeo. Um, the three of them really go together. I mean, we yeah, should just the same, them all yeah, the same conversation, the same different balancing act in terms of what, what you want, um, in terms of what they can provide now versus in the future, positional flexibility, how much contract they have left, all that kind of stuff. You, but the three of them sort of are a tier together, right? Uh, you can line them up sort of by personal preference. And so I guess the only thing with, with Rob Williams now, it's like, I think you either have to, you have to clear you have to play him yep. or you have to move him. He's the and opposite of Grant, right? And right. Grant fits into the team exactly. Robert, I think, fits into the team what they actually need, but not what Brad Stevens wants to play. But you either got to play him or you got to think about moving him because if you just let him sort of waste away on the bench for another season, what is the point of that? So um, I hope he plays because when he plays, the team plays well. And I like when that happens. 72% shooting last year. Pretty good. Yeah. Um, all right. And now we go into the last four or last five players. We're looking at no value here. Um, Shemi Ojale at number 10. I mean, you could get maybe a mid second, to late second round pick. Yeah, late second maybe. So, but they could easily just let him go if no one gives him that. Um, I don't know. That's That option, I mean, it'll, it'll depend a lot on what the team does on draft night and yes. which picks they actually end up taking. Um, it's also they, non-guaranteed though. So they can pick it up and then cut them later for no cost. Oh, really? I thought it was just yeah. a team option. No, it's both. It's team option non-guaranteed. So oh, that's nice. They okay, pick yeah, up the so option. They will pick, pick up the option. They'll, yeah, they'll pick, pick up option. the option. People are like, oh, they picked up the option, but it's still non-guaranteed until like right. the middle of the year. So Right. Okay, there's completely no harm then because then you you can keep them around. Yeah, I don't actually know the guarantee date on it, to be honest. I'd have to go and look it up. But Yeah, I think Basketball Reference said the option is right at the start of free agency. Um, yeah, the option is at the option schedule, which is the day before free agency begins. Right. But it is also non-guaranteed until, I mean, I can go look it up, but um, you're going to hear my keyboard clicking away in the background if I do. Well, and you do, if you, while you're looking that up, it is, I do think there are some teams that, and we've talked about, both of us have talked about the Portland, exactly. It's just like, there, <laughs> there are plenty of logical fits for uh, teams that need a defensive upgrade off the bench. Um, and Shemi provides that and not much else, but that is still a useful tool um, for a, a wannabe playoff team in the, in the West that has some tough matchups against big wings. So um, could they squeeze? Well, I don't have a His guarantee date hasn't been, a, been determined because they haven't readjusted them yet. So I actually don't know when it guarantees, but I think it guarantees before the season begins, but after free agency starts. Got it. Um, yeah. I think that that is a game changer. I mean, with that, that would be the only reason not to pick up the option if you're a Celtics. Um, barring you taking, you know, like using all like three or four draft picks on draft night. And then it's, you know. Well, the reason they set up the option is so in case he broke out, they can make him restricted. Like that's yeah. the purpose of the option is right. so you can Jokic him, right? If he had become some super wing, then right. you could opt him out now, make him restricted and then resign him then. The, the non-guaranteed is the back, backstop on that where they can just pick it up and then see if anybody wants to trade for them. And then if not, you know, you move on. But there are teams that maybe we'll see value in getting him for one year instead of having a risk trying to sign him after they cut him. Like there's no money savings. He's already making the minimum for his, for his experience. So it's yeah. not like you can, it's not like anything that should be sitting out there being like, yeah, we'll just sign them later for the minimum. Like he's already signed to the minimum. So right. just trade for him if, if you really want him and don't want to risk it. Yeah. Um, all right. I have Cantor as 11 on my list um, ahead of Carson Edwards controversy. Um, not, I mean, Cantor, you hope that he's just a neutral asset this off season. He might be a, a slight negative depending on what happens to the salary cap and the, a pretty crowded free agent center market um, making $5 million. Um, best case, I think is you find some team, Charlotte, Portland, that needs a backup center and can just take them into it. Exactly. But, um, which might be, just how this might be perfectly happy with that, if that happens. Yeah. The one risk there is that the Celtics might be happy having him as their backup center again. (laughs) (laughs) But then you, but like having him and Rob Williams back, I think makes no sense. I agree. And yet they might, be back <laughs> yeah i don't know um 
I yeah, I I don't think that that would be smart. But I also can't rule it out. I also think that if they do trade him, they'll then turn around and spend some amount of money on signing some other veteran, big body backup, you know, third string, fourth string, whatever right. center. Is Mac uh, Unless they think that you know Vincent can can handle mm-hmm. that role and had a year of seasoning and they're ready to unleash him on the world. I don't know. Uh, I, I've sort of come around and changed my position on this. I know this was like the one you asked me about <laughs> before was where, where I, if I would put Carson last or not last ahead of Vince, but uh, if I would put him before or after Cantor, I've come around on this a little bit. I think there are teams that would still give a second round pick for Carson, specifically the Knicks. The Knicks are the team that I keep using in this because of my uh, 14, 26 and Carson Edwards for eight trade. Mm-hmm. valuing Carson Edwards as some sort of mid to late second round pick again. And the real difference there is obviously that he makes a lot less money, even though he's got two more years, it's at low money. It's just easy to fit him into like a lot of trade exceptions and stuff like that that are kicking around. So um, you might be able to get a little bit for him and then Annis just giving him away the, from a, a Celtics perspective, if you trade Ennis into a, you know, into a trade exception or into cap space, you get a $5 million trade exception for him. So like on that balance, a $5 million trade exception that runs into the following off season is probably more valuable than Carson Edwards being traded for a second round, you know, 50th pick. Uh, so in, in that perspective, it's still probably more valuable to trade Cantor than Edwards, even if you get nothing for Cantor. Um, but if you don't consider trade exceptions to be part of the trade, then I might put Carson ahead, but it doesn't really matter. We're talking about the, the very end of the rankings here. Yeah, I mean... I, if if they can get a second round pick for Carson right now, then like that would be impressive as hell in my eyes. He, he After, was the thirty third pick, right? 32nd. He was, but he just did not show any signs of being in. I mean, again, you the hope. Problem was he was terrible in Maine. He was terrible. He was terrible in Maine. He was and terrible he, in Maine. That's the real problem. It's right. not that he was bad for the Celtics. Right. Like a lot of guys have bad first years. You could go small sample size for the Celtics. He was really bad in Maine. And they gave him a good shot at the beginning of the year. Like consistent, I mean, I, I mean, they gave him a, a month and a half in the rotation, which is more than Brad Stevens gives most rookies. How many total minutes did he play? I don't know if I would call he it. He played, I mean, maybe look at his game log for the first. So he played in pretty much every game. Um, he played at 21 of the first 23 games to the season, and he played, I'd say, over 10 minutes in more than half he of He played. 350 total minutes on the season. Um, yeah. So, I mean, they pulled him because they couldn't, they like, he literally just couldn't. He was bad. He was really bad. And they, 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 they couldn't give him any more shots when they got healthy, obviously. But really, um, I mean, so the, the problem remains that you can look at a guy who took 76 threes at the NBA level and say, oh, well, it's small sample size. It's this and that. He shot under 30%, I think, in Maine from three. Like, he just didn't make any shots. And it's really, if you're a, you know, six foot two shooting guard and you, can't make shots then you don't really have a place in the world but I still think he was the 33rd pick he showed you know the summer league flashes were still there for anybody not paying attention to the G League I don't know if some teams like the Knicks pay attention to the G League of other teams <laughs> um, and I just think that there might be a team out there that again because his contract is so small comparatively like they might say okay we'll give you the this future second round pick for him um, done and yeah maybe <laughs> Um, all right, and that's, that's pretty much it. 13 is Javante Green. Great story. No he's trade get, value. He's going to get released. So. Probably going to get released. And then 14 is Vincent. Um, Did you see my Vince theory about how they'll get rid of him? No. So they haven't spent their cash that they could spend in trades. Oh, I did see year. this. Yes, yes. So in they could go to the to – the, the Grizzlies have four trade exceptions that are all, like, under $7 million. They don't need four trade exceptions that are under, each under – you can't combine trade exceptions. So they can go to the Grizzlies and say, like, hey, we'll give you $3 million, take him into your trade exception, and then just cut him. He gets whatever he gets, two and a half next year. Right. They that might become 30% less than that with escrow even, right? Like, they're right. going to be over the cap and under the tax no matter what anyway. So it's basically like, hey, do you want somewhere between a half a million and a million dollars just to hold this guy for a day and then wave him? And then he's off the Celtics books. You don't have to worry about him. You didn't have to give anything up for him. You know, they may hang on to him to try to make some bigger trade or something like that. But uh, if they want to just get rid of him right away, bef- at the you know before this league season ends, they have this five million dollars in cash that they can send out. So they can just send you know give three million dollars to the Grizzlies, and the Grizzlies send back a top fifty-five protected second-round pick, and right. they take take him and wave him. Is an easy way to get rid of him if they don't want to 
try to work some other trade. Or again, maybe he's amazing in practice and I just don't know it and they're going to use him next year. I, who knows? It's too bad there's no summer league this year to, to find out for that breakout. But um, all right, well, that's it. That's the unofficial Celtics trade value power rankings from myself, Brian Rob, and Ryan Berndoni. Um, it's official, by the way. It's official, yeah. So, official. so put a stamp on that. Um, we'll revisit these once a year, um, but it's always fun to go through them. And obviously, we'll be talking about these guys a lot more in the next month as uh, we continue on the the offseason grind here at the Winning Plays Podcast. Um, we'll have some draft fun coming up for you guys in the next couple of weeks. Um, with Ryan has a good idea for that, so stay stay tuned on that front. Give him a follow at DangerCart on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me at Brian T. Rob. You can follow the podcast at Winning Plays Pod. Uh, so hit us up with your thoughts, ideas, anything you guys want to see um, as we head into uh, draft and um, and hopefully trade season too. Once they when are they gonna lift that trade rule, like once they figure out the salary cap stuff, they'll probably. Yeah, I think at the, end of, at the end of the month, once they work it out, they'll lift everything. And also, subscribe, download, rate, and review. Yes. All those things. Good you know, job. We'll do that. <laughs> what a, what hour a co-host in. already. It's already. Hour and 20 minutes in, you got to get to the Yeah, you got to get me. If, if you're this still listening for this podcast, if I remember correctly. <laughs> this is true. This is when we do our best promotion, When at the end when no one's listening. Um, all right, Ryan, thanks a lot. And um, we will, we'll talk to you guys next week.